Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, you know, I mean, you can all kind of smell it in the air, you know? Springtime. It is close. It is close. <laughs> yeah. I walked out this morning and looked and I was like, oh, this is beautiful out here. You know, it's of yeah. course it's a work day, so yeah. I don't yeah. get to enjoy it. And it's going to be like, you know, 50 degrees tomorrow. I get it. It's yeah. raining. But it's getting closer. It's getting closer. I think a couple more weeks, we're going to start seeing a little bit of that that we love down here down south. Yeah, I was talking to someone today about pollen is starting to kick up a little bit and mm. allergies and so forth. That's always the sign. Well, right? that's true. <laughs> you but, know? Yeah, I don't have pollen issues, so, but... Gosh, I love spring weather, and I think we're not far from yeah. getting a little bit of that. And um, Super Bowl, did you watch see, it? Yeah, the Super Bowl was amazing. My goodness. I mean, Brady, Tom Brady, wow. what can you say? I mean, yeah, of course, it, their front line was a lot better than I thought, too. My goodness, they gave them a long, lot of time. Oh, their yeah. defense really pressured Mahone. Uh, you know, it was it was a put-down. I think South Carolina's quarterback could have, you know, thrown that ball. He had so much time back there. He had a bunch of time <laughs> back there. He did, you know. Very but impressive. I, but Patrick Mahone's is, is – our Mahone is – He's impressive too. He is. He is. Defense played uh, played really good as well. So we'll see. I think I think uh, Kansas City's favor next year already. The odds are they're they're going to win. So we'll see. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. They just didn't quite. It couldn't quite match up. that, That night. That's right. Yeah, that was interesting. But speaking of interesting, we have some interesting topics here. I mean, we're going to talk about. Um, the whole Tesla thing, you know, they just they just invested a billion and a half in Bitcoin. Nice. So you have to ask the question: that's, What does that mean? That's a that's a B, not a M. A B, a billion. billion. That's a billion lot and of a money. half. Oh, you know, goodness. I mean, you didn't even know they had a billion and a half in cash. Well, turns out they had nineteen billion in cash, and they put a billion and a half in Bitcoin. So that's kind of a significant thing. Um, a lot of you know that really moved Bitcoin last week. So we're going to dive into Tesla and Bitcoin and what's going on there and seeing if there's anything significant from that you need to keep in mind. Yeah, that's going to be fun, fun topic. And then we're going to switch over a little bit to uh, retirement and making sure you have good communication with your significant other. If you are, if you are married, um, you know, making sure uh, couples are on the same page. We see sometimes they're not, you know, we'll have <laughs> discussions and, you know, you'll have one spouse look at the other one's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the communication piece piece of it is very, very important. So we're going to kind of talk through uh, some things to do and some things not to do. Yeah, that's a great topic. You need to be on the same page before retirement, especially. So uh, that's a good one. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey SmartVestor Pro with over 25 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can uh, download them to your uh, Apple or Android and, um, you know, take us on the road. If you go on a trip, you can listen to the Money Doctors. We have one one client that's listened to all of them. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a yeah, lot of, or, but yeah. A lot he's of not a client, but yeah, he's okay. somebody that we'll, talked to before. Yeah, he's excellent. listened to all of them. It's incredible. That's, that's so, great. And uh, yeah, we have hundreds also have a fa- of them. Facebook page as well, MoneyMD. So go check out the prescription of the week. Yeah, and send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can link to us there on our website to send us those questions. And we do talk about those. We talk about real client questions and, and listener questions right here on the show. Um, And speaking of which, we're going to go first, though, to the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is from the National Association of Realtors. And 
Steve, I mean, this this one fact is the reason why you can't try to predict um, the stock market, the real estate market, whatever market you're trying to look at, because it just doesn't make sense. So here's the fact. In 2020, um, there were 5.6 million existing homes that were sold. And Steve, that was the highest number um, recorded since 2006. I mean, it's so pandemic. I mean, would you have ever guess that the real estate market would have boomed during a pandemic. I mean, no. it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's all, one of those unexpected consequences or results that you get from something happening in the world, and there's this ripple effect, right? And you just never, you never expected the ripple that, you know, would, would come out of this would mm. be people are sitting at their home, and they're, 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 you know, they're spending all this time at home, and they're thinking... I want more space, you know, we're, we're getting tired of this, yeah. you know, looking at the same thing here and all of a sudden they want a new house. And, and then there are people in the big cities that decide, well, you know, I don't really have to work here anymore. I can live anywhere cause I can work from home. Yep. So they're moving out of the big cities and, you know, then people are fixing up their houses and low interest one, rates. Yeah. One thing led <laughs> to another super low interest rates. All that comes together. Perfect storm for the perfect, the perfect good storm for yes, housing. Yes. And it's the hottest housing market I've seen in 25 oh, years. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it's 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 amazing, and it's everywhere. It's not just in everywhere. CSRA. It's a, it's around the country, and yeah. So the the predictions that you see for 2021 or 2022, no one knows. There's always outside factors and influences. Um, people are worried about politics and so forth. There's always something else that occurs that changes the predictions that are out there. Right. So. Very, very <clears throat> difficult to predict things. I mean, and when you can predict it, then you can't predict the timing of it. That's the right. problem. You know, it comes and starts and stops a lot quicker than people realize. No so good fact of the week. That's a good reminder, too. All right. And that leads us up here to our first topic, John, and that is Tesla buys one and a half billion mm. in Bitcoin this past week. Um, what does it mean? You know, and it's based on an article out of the Wall Street Journal. Um, but yeah, I mean, John, I mean, as you know, I mean, Elon Musk, you know, invested a billion and a half this in Bitcoin this past week with Tesla's money. That's a lot of money. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's a lot. So I have to ask the question, what does it mean? I mean, you know, here we have one of the biggest companies in the S&P 500 now, which just got added two months ago, I might add, um, investing billions into a cyber currency that has questionable value, um, remarkably high volatility. I mean, there has to be more to the story here, right? <clears throat> I mean, why aren't other companies pouring billions into Bitcoin or other cyber currencies. I mean, we've talked about Bitcoin and other cyber currencies before on the show, but but it's obviously time to take another look. So we're going to dig in a little deeper here, see if we can answer some of the obvious questions that come out of this, like, you know, has something fundamentally changed with Bitcoin or other cyber currencies? Is it time to to for us to invest in Bitcoin or cyber currencies? You know, maybe there's something attractive about these cyber coins, which doesn't meet the eye. Yeah. So first, a little bit about Elon Musk. I mean, he's had ties to the financial services industry um, that day back into the 1990s. He invested most of his $22 million that he earned um, from the sale of an internet business into a startup, and it was called X.com. Uh, it later became PayPal. And then eBay actually bought PayPal for $1.4 billion uh, back in 2002. And as the largest shareholder, um, Mr. Musk uh, collected more than $100 million at age 31. So he's incredibly yeah. successful. Where he came um, from. That yeah. was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And he used that money to start Tesla and uh, the, the space, SpaceX Corporation, uh, as well as a solar cell company. It's called Solar City. 
uh, which is now part of Tesla. So he's got a pretty good track record on businesses. He's done very well. He does. He does. So, you know, you have to give him creds there. I mean, he, you know, he definitely knew what he was doing, you know, with some of those. Um, Of course, he has done some crazy things, too, you know, out there with the flamethrowers and, you know, the tunneling. I, I questioned the tunnel project thing but uh but anyway back to tesla and bitcoin yeah i mean there is apparently a related reason for tesla taking a position in bitcoin and the electric car company also said that it expects to start accepting bitcoin as payment for its products pretty soon for the cars so tesla disclosed its bitcoin purchase in its latest annual report saying that the move aims to diversify and maximize returns on our excess cash that is not required to maintain adequate operating liquidity. <clears throat> Those are the words they used. So Tesla said, you know, a board, uh, the board committee had approved the changes to the company's rules to on, on investments, and it also added investing in cash uh, into uh, bullion, gold bullion, um, gold exchange traded trade funds, among some other assets. Um, but the Bitcoin purchase apparently. The largest by any public company by far, you know, comes after really a rally in 2020 when the price more than quadrupled for Bitcoin. Um, So, you know, Tesla, you know, is is there joining a handful of other smaller companies that have disclosed Bitcoin holdings? Um, However, companies holding Bitcoins in their treasuries face some accounting risk, John, because Bitcoin and the other digital assets that are considered uh, well, they're considered by the IRS to be indefinite, lived, intangible assets. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a mouthful. Um, so rather than currencies, so they're not considered a currency at all. They're considered these intangible assets. And any decrease in their value below the comp- what the company paid for them, even a temporary one, can force the company to write down the value mm. um, and take an impairment charge. <clears throat> so it's a that's risk. risky. Yeah. That's pretty risky. Yeah. yeah. So micro stat- strategy. Uh, posted a net loss in the third quarter of 2020 because the price of Bitcoin dropped temporarily back in September, as an example. Um, so Tesla said, you know, it would analyze its holdings in the cryptocurrency each quarter to see whether the Im- impairments warranted, um, you know, based on Bitcoin prices, if they need to take the impairment or not. And uh, they said if we hold digital assets and their value decreases relative to the purchase price, then our financial condition may be harmed, they said. Based on the you know yeah. their financial statement, <clears throat> yeah, and they're definitely taking a different position than a lot of companies because, you know, the sharp changes in the valuation, um, you know, is going to impact basically the bottom line of companies, which is probably why most other companies, if they've invested, they've done millions versus billions um, into that cryptocurrency, and it's certainly an increased risk for the company as Bitcoin uh, recently traded at more than forty three thousand per coin. This week, and it, you know, it's price averaged around thirty-four thousand per coin last month. So it's increased significantly just in, in a month. Yeah. yeah, in a month, and it's currently more than eight times higher than the twenty twenty low of uh, about five thousand dollars. So that's a tremendous amount of volatility. In fact, it, it kind of makes the stock market sound more like a, a boring government bond. It's uh, it very really volatile. Does. Yeah, it's very, very volatile. Um, It's crazy how much volatility that is. So that's a lot to take on for a company. And, you know, Mr. Musk, Elon has shown that, you know, he has a growing interest in Bitcoin in recent years. After he tweeted in 2018 that the only cyber currency owned was one quarter of a Bitcoin, you know, a friend had given him, which today would be worth more than $10,000, by the way. 
Um, he said, I think Bitcoin is really on the verge of getting broad acceptance um, by sort of the conventional finance people, as he said, you know, and he said that last week on social media networking app Clubhouse, you know, but an affinity for Bitcoin seems to be kind of a natural fit for for him, um, you know, who has kind of bristled at government constraints at times. Um, but however, I mean, if you think Bitcoin is arbitrary and easily affected by the likes of Elon Musk um, tweeting happy thoughts, I mean, consider other cyber currencies recently affected after the tweets from Elon Musk, you know, just uh, recently and wrapped and rapper Snoop, Snoop Dogg, Dogg. Yeah. the cyber coin currency called Doggy Coin. <laughs> um, which started as a joke, by the way. Okay, I mean, you, you have to think anything named Doggy Coin has to be a joke. Mm. Well, yeah, it started as a joke. Well, now it's top top ten billion dollars in market value, and it's one of the top ten cyber currencies now, just because Elon and Snoop Dogg tweeted about it. So it's kind of nuts. I mean, it shows you how capricious and arbitrary the price of these things are. Um, so, you know, I mean, so how many of these cyber currencies are there and are they worth investing in nowadays? I mean, that's kind of an obvious question. Well, there are now over 4,000 cyber currencies in existence. Bitcoin is still the largest by far, but there's about 1.4 trillion in, in, in supposedly value, John, um, on paper from these cyber currencies. Bitcoin is valued at over half of that with about $850 billion today. Yeah, so maybe it sounds like this is uh, getting mainstream, but keep in mind that the, all of these are extremely volatile. If you look in the last seven days, the value of the top 200 cyber currencies have gyrated anywhere from a loss of about 20% to a gain of about 350%. So it's it's not uncommon to see the value swing uh, 10% on a daily basis. And the last time that Bitcoin spiked in price in 2017, it jumped almost 19000 per coin before plummeting to less than four thousand by the end of eight, you know, two thousand eighteen. So that's an eighty percent drop. That's a big drop. <clears throat> it is. You can you can wipe out money really quickly. Now the price has spiked again, um, gaining some four hundred percent in only four months. So is the price real this time around, and and will it hold and not lose eighty percent of its value at some point in the near uh, future as it did before? And you know, these are the questions you have to ask yourself before you invest one point five billion into this currency. Or even a thousand dollars. I mean, it's just it's right. it's almost like going to to Vegas and spinning the wheel. And you know, if you hit it big, you can hit it big, but it's the odds are against you. Yeah, I mean, it's just a very risky strategy putting a lot of money in something that has that kind of volatility. Um, and the truth is, you know, any investment in Bitcoin is a speculative play on the volatility, and there's no real reason to think that this recent climb will continue. Um, you know, I mean, no, nothing fundamentally, I'll put it that way. You know, you might think that it's speculatively it's going to continue, but there's no fundamental reason for it to continue. I mean, unlike the stock market where you have real companies that are creating profits, they're creating value for shareholders and for the share price, Bitcoin's like a commodity. It has no value that's being created whatsoever. Um, also, I mean, consider the fact there's no limit in the supply of cyber currencies hitting the market. Unlike, you know, other more stable currencies in the world where the supply is limited by governments, um, cyber currencies have no limits. So while Bitcoin itself is limited, there are new ones that are coming out almost daily that compete for those same dollars that are being put in the Bitcoin. So meanwhile, you know, the lack of stability <clears throat> seems to severely limit 
the willingness of companies to really accept Bitcoin or any other cyber currency as a real viable method of payment. You know, it's more of a novelty for companies to to sound cutting edge, to say, oh, we accept Bitcoin. I mean, because the truth is nobody really accepts it to any large degree um, or it's not used to any large degree. Let's put it that way. I mean, if it became widely used then the volatility would present a significant risk to companies that were accepting it as payment. And that's because they have to recognize the gain or loss on a quarterly. I mean, that's a big deal. That impacts earnings, which impacts the stock price. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Also, governments around the globe, they continue to treat cyber currencies as an asset instead of a currency. So they require any sale uh, to be reported as a gain or loss. And that kind of makes using cyber currency very difficult. And it kind of opens up users to tax fraud if they don't report every purchase as a trade in the currency. Yeah, and as far as Tesla, I mean, you have to think that, you know, if Bitcoin does plummet like it did three years ago, Tesla's going to have to write down, you know, a significant loss. You know, it could be a billion dollars if depending on how much it drops. And to most rational people, that seems like a lot of risk um, that Musk <clears throat> wouldn't want to take with Tesla because uh, he's facing a lot of competition. There's 21 new competing electric vehicles this year alone that um, that presents a, a big risk for the company. So, you know, Tesla has struggled to, to maintain cash um, while ramping up the vehicle production, but these risks really seem to fall on deaf ears for, for most Tesla investors. I mean, those shares have uh, just killed it over the last 12 months, up 480% as people have uh, piled into their favorite um, electric vehicle stock. And, uh, you know, the company has reported a string of profits finally. They finally got profitable after many, many years of you know, right. losses and so forth. So Tesla took advantage of that surge by selling billions of dollars in new stock and is now sitting on about $19 billion of uh, cash. I mean, it's a massive amount. Uh, right. And it took a billion and a half of that and put it into Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. So it is very interesting. I mean, you know, companies might have grown more optimistic about Bitcoin after last March's sell-off all the way down to $5,000, um, you know, when it recovered faster than the stock market did. Um but the added wrinkle for Tesla is their plan to accept it for their customers, you know. So a few companies now accept Bitcoin directly as payment. Some large companies experimented with that, um, you know, back in 2014 and 15, like Dell Technologies and Expedia Group. Um, but most of them later dropped it for lack of use because mm-hmm. people just really don't want to use it for currency. Um, and so while Tesla's move would be high profile along with PayPal, which is later this year, you know, saying they're going to start start offering it. Um, you know, we'd have to see if these new efforts to use Bitcoin as a real currency stick or fall victim to the complications of the volatility and the lack of interest. It seems people are more interested in speculating in Bitcoin than actually using it as a currency. So time will tell, you know, as usual. I mean, we're, we're not trying we're not making any investment recommendations here for or against either one of these um you know this past performance doesn't guarantee future results right. so but it's interesting to see what's going on with bitcoin and tesla it's and definitely in the news daily it's in the news daily but clearly this is you know bitcoin is very speculative the volatility is off the charts yep. you want to be very very careful about anything you do in that space it makes the stock market look like a government bond <laughs> like i said <laughs> So very interesting, though, nonetheless. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question mm-hmm. comes from a, a client. And uh, can I do a Roth conversion from my beneficiary IRA? 
Yeah, the short answer is no, John. Um, you know, you can't you can't do a conversion from uh, an IRA once you have to take RMDs, and <clears throat> or if it's an inherited IRA from a non-spouse. So, truth is, you can't do a conversion there. However, you know, a conversion from your own IRA uh, might be a great idea to a Roth. Um, so, if you think you might be in a higher tax bracket later, um, then a conversion. You know, it's probably a great idea. I mean, 12% tax bracket would be a yeah. ideal place to do a conversion if you can lock into that tax bracket. Um, you know, it's so it's, it's something to look at from a regular IRA, but not an inherited IRA. Yeah, but we see people taking money out of the inherited IRA and they put it into like a brokerage account. So it's not a conversion per se, but right. you can put it back in and, and it can grow and, you know, do its thing over time. And you do have to pay some taxes when it comes out. But um, brokerage accounts is a, is a pretty decent option if you don't need the money. Yeah, and if you're still working, well, then you can you can make a contribution yeah. with that money to a Roth, to a Roth IRA. So it's kind of like a conversion. So, yep. you know, if you can make if you can make contributions, then uh, take advantage of that. And if you need to get it out of the inherited IRA to do it, by all means. Yeah. Yeah. So good, good topic, though. Good question. All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is... You know, avoiding bad surprises by talking to your spouse about future plans. You got to you got to tell them what you want to do. I mean, yeah, well, you know, I mean, you could kind of live in the dark with your spouse. But do you tell Kathy all the golf trips that you planned? (laughs) Well, you know, we sit down with clients occasionally that are retiring and and it's kind of fun to talk about. I'll ask the question, well, what do you plan to do? You know, once you retire, you know, you guys going to take some trips, you know, camping and it's occasionally I'll bump into a couple that have never really discussed it. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden I'll see this look of shock on her face. They're like, Oh, I never heard him say that. He won't, you want to buy a camper and go camping? <laughs> and that's not really me. You know, I mean, I just, I, yeah. I, occasionally you see that and I'm like, I'm like, uh Oh, yeah, that's I sh- right. maybe I shouldn't have stumbled yeah, into this. Talk question. about that later. <laughs> yeah. Y'all resolve this later. Uh, let's talk about your planning, but yeah, yeah. this is something you don't want to be in that situation. No. Right before you retire. Yeah, this is from uh, Market Watch, uh, Alessandro Melito, and um, yeah, it's really important to get on the same page, even if you have different uh, goals and desires. Um, you know, after years of uh, you know long work, a lot of hours, uh, responsibility at home with kids, busy schedules, retirement can be a great time to reconnect with your spouse as long as you're both on the same page and you you talk about your goals for the next chapter. So before you even think about leaving the workforce. You know, you got to talk with your spouse about your ideas for the future. Um, you know, you want to get theirs as well out on the table. Um, you got to get on the same page. And so really to make the retirement decision, there's two pieces of the puzzle. One of them is financial and the other one is, you know, kind of like, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. So That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, you're right. And couples that might want to do exactly the same things when they retire. They might want to lounge on the beach or move closer to grandkids or drive across the country for trips, you know, for the summer. Um, but they also might not. I mean, one spouse might want to live, you know, in another country while the other one wants to start a small business or pursue some other lifelong goals. I mean, so you have to have a plan for meshing those different ideas and, and you know, find the overlap where you can come together in, you know, something that's going to work in retirement. Yeah, and having those different ideas in retirement, it, it's, it's not bad. It's okay. It's just talking through the goals, how are you going to fund them, um, you know, finding compromises where necessary and helping each other meet those those needs and those goals is important. So, um, you know, when our actions are out of alignment with our values, uh, there could be a sense of, of loss. And, um, you know, retirement really is no different. It's just one of those next chapters, next phases that you got to sit down and, and talk about and dream a little bit. 
Yeah, that's right. And avoiding this type of planning, you know, can be detrimental to your relationships. So you really want to make sure you get this get this covered before retirement. I mean, the number of people who divorce in their 50s and later has grown substantially in recent decades, and partly because people are living longer and they want to have a robust life, you know. And so nurturing a marriage is always vital, no matter what your age but neglecting one in the midst of, you know, these transitions in life can be a disaster. Uh, divorces, they'll take an emotional and a financial toll. Mm, you can't yeah. allow that to happen. you got to have this discussion. Yeah, we do see a lot of people getting divorced in their 50s. And, you know, kids are out of the house and, <clears throat> you know, relationships have changed. So it does, it does take work. Um, and these discussions should really start years before retirement, um, especially if it involves a big move or maybe an expensive purchase. Um, it also doesn't have to be stressful or boring. I mean, make this kind of fun. I mean, go, go on a, a, a one of your favorite trips and, and, uh, pull up a computer with some ideas, um, and look at, you know, a month long cruise or, uh, maybe a new neighborhood to consider a home or, you know, take a week off and pretend to be retired and see how it's going to feel, uh, on a day to day basis. And this one couple created an activity jar where each one of them contributed what they'd like to do in the foreseeable future. And, um, you know, they would, uh, they would pull out of that and they would do that activity. So be careful with that. Yours would always be golf, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. Golf, golf, golf. So, you know, communication in, in most, as in most instances is, is important. And that's one, one thing a financial advisor can help do is, you know, we sit around and talk about numbers a lot, but we also talk about some of these softer issues and, um, you know, making sure that, that, you know, the financial aspects are covered, but also the goals and life plans, uh, are communicated and compromises are found. So, uh, sparking these discussions, even if only one spouse has, um, you know, set goals in mind can build a structure for the next phase. And again, it, 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 it leads into, if you want to do something different, do you have enough money to fund it is one, one big question. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, um, and understand the implications, you know, of, of, of events, you know, in real time news and, and, you know, is really important. And um, so you just really need to understand, you know, kind of what your plan is, where your money's coming from. Yep. Um, you know, how are you going to finance retirement? You know, how are you going to finance all these different ideas that you have for what you want to do when you do retire? That's, that's really the key. So yep. you just want to make sure that you're you're on the same page whenever you get to that point in life. Yeah, the planning is important. Conversations just can be a moment of reflection. And, you know, we like you said, Steve, I, I know I've been in conversations where we have, you know, we're talking about retirement and what you're going to do. And, um, you know, sometimes you can tell there's a little conflict um, between uh, the, the, you know, the, the husband and the wife. And um, so you got to know where to start. You got to have some questions and, you um, you know, some of the things that you look at are like, you know, where do you want to retire? Um, how do you want to spend your money? Um, it's really sitting down and look at your values, right? What's most important to you? I had a, a client um, recently that moved down to this area probably 10, 12 years ago because they wanted the warm, warmer weather. Right. Well, they moved back closer to their family up north where it snows six months out of the year because they wanted to be closer to family. So yeah, that's important. You know. <clears throat> yeah. I have some good friends that are getting ready to move to Atlanta, you know, to be closer to their, yeah. their family and retirement. So, you know, everybody has different ideas about what they want to do. I have a, 
a couple that are uh, clients that are looking at moving to Belize, you know, for retirement, you know, so that's a totally different idea. Sure. So yeah. everybody's got an idea. You need to have it on the, you need to be on the same page. Make sure you test that. I'd even want to test those ideas before retirement, sure. yeah. really, yeah. you know, test drive in retirement, I think is really important. So take a few weeks off, go test out your yeah. ideas. And you know, the pandemic has, has brought that to light. A lot of folks are, are working from home and they like that idea. Now they're still working during the day, but the flexibility of not having to get up and drive 45 minutes to work yeah. one way has been, you know, and we do see a lot of people retiring now. Yeah, we do. We do. And we find some couples that are kind of straining their marriage by being together <laughs> yeah. all day long at this home. So, you know, it's a great idea to test these things out before you actually retire. But uh, good topic, good conversation. All right. And that leads us to our last thing here. And that is the financial, uh, the prescription of the week. Yeah. So the, you know, we talk about this periodically, but, um, you know, Steve, I mean, the longer I do this and you've been doing it for a long time as well, you, you do planning for couples and families and someone passes away before uh, unexpectedly, right? So right. Um, having a, a roadmap, um, we have something on our website. If you go to moneymd.net in the financial resources area, it's called a financial account inventory. And it's a place that you can document, um, you know, bank accounts, um, investment accounts, life insurance, any kind of pensions, things like that. And so it's kind of a one page summary. And uh, we, we use it a lot um, around here. And uh, people pass away suddenly all the time, and we see folks that have not done the organization six to nine months later, they're still struggling because they're trying to piece together. They don't know where everything is. Right. And so go to our website and pull this off. It's for, it's an important document. Yeah, it's really important you have a good list um, that you each other, you each know about, and you know where all your accounts are, where they're at, the contact information, yep. you know, the account numbers, <clears throat> how to log on, all your passwords. All of that stuff is just critically important. And so you just get it together, you know, so that you're not searching through old tax returns and piles of statements and papers. Yeah. And then you get things that you get in the mail, you know, three months later and you're like, oh, I didn't realize he had this annuity policy or mm -hmm. something. So, uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Get everything together on that asset inventory sheet. All right. Well, that brings us to a close for this week's edition for MoneyMD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, or give us a call with any questions you have at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 